Hello, everyone. Hey, Rishi. Hey, hey, Ben. How you doing? I gotta say, I, I'm starting this live stream very, very distracted because you told me right now that you had a, a whiskey in your hand, and I asked which whiskey, and you said Cotswolds, and I'm like, I like whiskey. I've never heard of that. So. Cotswolds is an area, right? In the UK, right? You, if you, you're from the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I, I know the Cotswolds, but I've been in the whiskey. I'm, I'm very curious. So let's do this. Let's do our, our, our intros, our hello. You can, if it's okay with you, you can, you can tell people who you are. Do you like an introduction of yourself? And then from that, I'm going to ask more questions about that whiskey because I'm so curious. Cheers, <laughs> Ben. So yeah, I'm, I'm Rishi. Um, I work at Abenard. Um, so you've had it. You've had James Dales on before, and and I think. And, and coffee as well, I think. Yeah, right? yeah sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few other people, a few other people from Avenard, and we've got quite yeah. a few MVPs there. So it's actually a joint venture between Accenture and Microsoft. Mm. Um, uh, so it's it's, it's owned by companies, but essentially Microsoft Arm with Accenture. Um, we, I came over from a company called Altius. We were acquired in about 2020. Okay. Um, and, you know, my background, yeah, I started off. So I, I went to LSE, London School of Economics. I worked at Deloitte. Um, for a few years, trained as a chartered accountant. I uh, moved into HSBC and Barclays and did a bit of stuff with tech and, and product control and accounting. And then um, to, uh, we got into Power Query um, with Excel and VBA and doing that. And then uh, and then that's it. Came into the Power BI world in, uh, in 2017, I think, with James uh, Dales. And, and I think I was the second second person in the team doing Power BI. Obviously, wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I love... Um, so... I've said a couple of times before that I find it really interesting in the paths that people take to get to where they are in their career, especially with like, you know, data, yeah. power, all that kind of stuff. But yours is really interesting, actually, because <clears throat> what I like, I mean, um, another interesting, you have people who are like engineers, I think also like Kurt Buhler was, um, was like a, um, I don't know, like a yeah. biologist or something, whatever. Um, I mean, I but, love his, his blog, right? The style of that, you know, the the, the, the graphics and the, I just the way he explains stuff as well. And, and the fact that he covers all this non-technical stuff is brilliant. Really. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, what I find interesting about yours is that you were in a very, like, finance industry obviously you know yet um you, what you came up through but and then you open power query and power bi and you're like no this is this is where i need to be so so instead of you know it's it's a it's an interesting shift there right yeah yeah i mean data's you know uh, you know to be fair accounting's accountancy or finance is is a, is a really mind-numbing job <laughs> so you know things like you know bba and you know mm. doing you know where, where you can automate tasks and you know you're not doing the same thing day in day out um and you know when your data complexity increases which it invariably does as as the company grows and you get external mm. positions and all of this kind of stuff so you know there's there's real value i think for it and i think mm. it's a very underserved market so actually one of the things i'm really looking at both in the community and at Avenard actually is finance so you know i'm looking at the modern finance agenda in Avenard and seeing how we can bring finance people into the 21st century um, you know, into, into fabric and things like that, but also then <laughs> running courses and yeah. doing things like that for, for the finance community as well. That's really interesting. Very, very cool. I like it. Um, we'll come back to this in a second, but Donald just said you had, you had me at whiskey. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's fair. That, that, that happens quite often. Um, Yes. Yeah, so no, no. You so you, you you had this like career in in so like finance and and do you see you working for for Deloitte? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I, did, I did a few stints at the big four and then yeah some of the banks in central london and canary wharf all kind wow. of in that area. that's cool 
I've I've been outside the Canary Wharf, never been inside, so that's quite cool. They've been inside it. What so what what's life like at one of the big four, mate? How did you find it? If you're allowed to say, if you dare. No, I mean, look, it, it's good, right? You're very you're very specialized in what you do, right? Mm, okay. So even though even though it's a company, it does so many things, right? Um, okay. And yeah. I guess that's true of every big company, even you know even Avalon and, and Accenture, obviously do we do lots, and, and you're very specialist in that role mm. as well. But, you know, it's weird because you'll do like accountancy and it'll cover everything from audit and tax and bookkeeping and, and and all of these things and then you work in a role in like the big four and you, you're in like corporate real estate or like you know tax technology like very, really? very specific areas yeah yeah yeah. and then you know oh, so wow. you don't really actually get the full breadth of kind of exposure yeah, if you work of course, for it's too big firm, yeah if you work for a small firm or you are you know a small firm of accountants and you were actually doing you know bookkeeping for clients and mm. stuff like that it would be a very different scenario you'd, you'd, you'd get more of that exposure so it's it's very good for you know to get that specialism and obviously you've got the culture you've got everything else around you with all of that and i think as a grad it's, it's great um but yeah i think it's just you know it, i think altius was the first small company that i kind of hmm. Right, it was, all, it was all these mega companies before that's funny that must be quite like a, the, the culture difference must be pretty substantial did you yeah. did it take a while to get used to it or yeah, I mean, I liked it. It's it's good, right? Where you know, kind of everyone in the, you know, everyone in the company, basically, mm. right? And mm. you know who to go to for certain things and, and all the rest of it. Whereas, you yeah. know, with with Avanard and any big company, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to figure out who the right people are to speak to and and you know where to find stuff. Like, yeah. oh, sure we've done this before. Mm. So there is always, you know, we've done it before because you're like a you know hundred thousand person company. You must have done this kind of project before or something like that. <laughs> That's where that's where copilot's going to come in, right? We just say, type into copilot. Can you find me? I'm doing an RFP on this, this, this. Can you find me all the documents where we've done this before? <laughs> Close. Maybe it will just maybe it'll just tell you where they are and who to speak to. Maybe that's that actually that actually might be probably one of the best uses of copilot I've actually I've actually heard. Just to locate who does what and who can help you with what. I like it. It's quite cool. Here we yeah. go, Fernando. The main difference between not working inside the big four, not having to wear a suit and tie. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know if that's still the case. I mean, maybe. I, I'm not, yeah. not, not, not entirely sure. I mean, I, I yeah, post-COVID, I don't think I have. I've definitely not worn a suit and tie. I might have worn a suit once. I think post-COVID, I went to put on a suit once, and I was very, very upset because um, either the suit had shrunk or my waistline had increased, probably the latter, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was in a massive huff with suits, and I will never wear one again. For, for for shaming my waistline, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, this. Oh, are you still there? Can you hear me, Rishi? Okay. Yeah. Ah. Just, you just. It's all good. Just froze for a second. Um, so the whiskey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna loop back around to the whiskey. Let's just, <laughs> okay. let's, let's just take a beat because I'm curious. So I like whiskey. I tend to drink like Scottish, like Isle whiskey, like nice, like peaty flavors and stuff. You said. Cotswolds signature whiskey. I did not know whiskey. There was whiskey made in the Cotswolds, so now I really want to try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's in Sainsbury's. Uh, it's on like 20, 25 quid at the moment. So yeah, okay. Definitely, definitely worth checking out. I haven't give you a bottle, but you're in Germany, right? So. And well, you think my dad's coming to visit in like a month. Nice. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. And yeah, he could yeah. he could bring me like a very very well like a two month early birthday present. So I think that's that that's a reasonable request now. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So it says forty-five pounds on the website. So I think uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you can stretch his budget of that, and then we can, you know, I'll, I'll let you know how how, um, how, I, how I feel about that one. So good. <laughs> good. 
Nice. Um, so thank you for that. Any, okay, we've got a question, so I'm going to pull it up. Uh, we'll just, actually, before we get the question, I'm going to, Donald says he wants to have a tailored suit. You know what? That would yeah. be a really cool thing to have, no? It is. I mean, I think you need to get the right quality. I remember years ago, I went to Vietnam and um, right. I got a I got a tailored suit there. And obviously, you don't know much about the kind of tailors or anything there, right? I mean, yeah. you know, one of my friends went to a really expensive place that I was with and I, and I went to a cheaper place. I'm like, I'm sure they're all the same, right? I mean, they all seem yeah, like yeah. rental outfits. But I remember I came in. I came into work wearing this new suit that I got tailored in Vietnam and then I sat down and it just whipped. Like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I should have gone for the... Uh... Yeah, see, buy, buy cheap, buy twice, right? Um, yeah. I'm the sort of person I would buy a tailored suit and I'd be, oh my God, this is so awesome. And now I would wear it like once in five years and then I would go put it on again and then it wouldn't fit because I put on weight. So I think, yeah, what are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, this is just me rambling on about things that no I see. Uh, so, could you walk us on the news about of learn yeah. data insights? Can, yeah. can you do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's so, fantastic. So, yeah, learn data insights. So, basically, it started off, um, you know, it is very much a community thing. So, it started off just as a community thing. I did some quizzes as a way to kind of prepare myself for uh, DA100 when it first came out. Um, and this is this is back in what, 2018 or something like that, or 2017. Right. Um, and also, um, you know, to, it was my way to prepare, and then also put something out in the community that's a bit different to um, you know the standard blogs and videos and things like that. So I wanted mm. to do something a bit, a bit different, and I quite like the whole quizzing thing. And actually, the MBA that I did recently was actually all done using quiz questions. Like the entire MBA syllabus was basically taught through a mobile app with with quiz questions. <laughs> And the, the fact that you can teach an MBA syllabus like that is, is incredible, but it's, it's a really, really good way of learning. And so I started writing a few more kind of quizzes um, and building the platform behind it. So behind LDI, behind the quizzes, mm -hmm. it is a whole set of um, uh, an Azure platform that, mm -hmm. that the data gets landed. And actually, if anyone's interested in the back end behind it, mm -hmm. have a look at the session I did with a guy called Harry Alt in, in Avanade as well, who's... Um, in Manchester Power BI user group. Okay. So it was up there, I think it was yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I, we walked through the back end of LDI now in Fabric, mm. and like, and Gen AI and all of that. So there's, it was, it was really, really my way, my way of learning um, this stuff. And then, you know, as it's grown, I've kind of been really thinking about, well, actually, how do we, how do, how do, how do we really get the right education for data analytics skills mm. and other skills potentially as well? You know, I think companies' approach to training, I think they've got it wrong for the most part. Okay. Interesting. I think, you know, it's a kind of a approach of saying, well, let's give them a plural site, Udemy subscription, and let them let them go. Mm. And or, you know, there's loads of stuff for free on the internet. Go and learn it. Mm. It moves at such a pace. People don't have the time. And you go off and do a course on AdventureWorks, you know, come back for a couple of days and you expect it to be able to build these Power BI reports and you can't, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You get stuck. Um, you know, you're working with SAP data or whatever else it is, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I think what I'm trying to do more broadly then is really think about how could we do things like cohort-based courses? How could we do things like training people on their own data and processes and, and you know, build really interactive e-learning? So that's all the stuff I'm trying to work on at the moment and do some stuff with financial reporting and Power BI. So I ran a course at SQL Bits, face-to-face -face okay. SQL Bits for training day session pre-con. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really well received. And now I'm putting that content into e-learning. 
wow. so, uh, so yeah watch this space soon hopefully uh, powerplatformfinance.com i think that's the brand i'm going to do all of that through so yeah it's all there's a lot there there's a lot there i've been speaking to a few edtech companies and stuff as well and you know there's a lot there's a lot of interest in this space and i think a lot of demand for it so let's see let's see where it goes cool what's the um i'll try and paste that in the um i'll try and post that sorry in the chat what's what is it again uh, just yeah, I can put it in our chat if you want. Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. That's be that'd be awesome. Cheers, mate. It sounds really helpful. Learning. Yeah. Ah, yeah, it's like Linda here, so I'll put that in and then take a look at that link, everyone. I'm sure it's totally awesome. I'll have a look at myself. Um, nice. It's yeah. I'm one of the things I'm working on at the moment is building up um, like learning resources at my the company that I'm working for, like trading programs and stuff. And it is, it's, it's a really, really difficult thing to get right, you know? And also yeah. what you said about people taking the time to do it as well. It's such a hard thing because of course, of course, not everyone who, you know, people who can consume reports or need to, you know, understand how to create a report, but those who it's, it's becoming, I think, an increasingly common thing an increasingly common expectation that a person can kind of build a Power BI report you know, and understand that sort of thing. But it's from the outside looking in, of course, it looks so much more simple than it actually is. And when you get into it, that initial enthusiasm, depending on who you are, can quite quickly wane, you know, um, because you don't, it's not about just kind of, you know, there's this thing, you know, was it clicky, clicky, draggy, droppy, whatever, which I don't really think really represents very well what power it's it's funny to say um but there's very little about the reality behind that you know so to understanding what people need to know oops my lights just went off because i had a sorry i've got a button i've got a button on my feet i can switch the lights on enough but i put my feet in the wrong place the lights went off so but it's really difficult to balance right and understand what people need to know to kind of actually take those initial steps so it's interesting yeah, absolutely. And, it, and I think it's getting people on that journey. And I think it's it's become worse, to be honest, not better, right? With things like fabric and things like that. Uh, you know, mate. Overwhelm, right? It's just, you know, if you actually speak to people outside the data tech community, they're just like, what the hell is this? What have Microsoft done now? They've just brought, they've brought all of this stuff into the Power BI environment. Yeah. yeah. Rebranded it all, but like... It's, I, you know... Is it A, a big marketing ploy or B, you know, something that I'm just... I think I think it's it's an interesting thing because obviously for people who need it it's awesome, right? But I kind of think the position of it is and obviously this is just like little like random me in my opinion that doesn't matter, you know what I mean? But um the the way they positioned it before they released it, I think kind of made it was incorrect, you know? Like the way that, you know, Power BI is now part of Fabric. And they have been very vocal in saying, look, you might not need to know that that this this is fine. But I think it's kind of diluted the learning resources somehow also from Power BI. Even if if you look at the number of things that were Power BI and now are like Fabric, you know, Mm. it's, it's, I don't, I really, I know Power BI is part of Fabric, but it's also very, very separate as well. You know, Power BI in itself is a is a big thing but now to to start to understand where power bi finishes yeah exactly anthony yeah power bi yeah you know what it is i like when people do this because i'm so bad at being concise um there it is power bi has got lost in the in the in the fabric world um yeah basically that i i can't i can't say it better than that to be honest i think it's a little bit been a little bit diluted down and um 
it's harder sometimes to to find what you want or if you're a new person maybe it's harder to understand precisely what's going on and i don't know it's it's yeah, great it's, i don't know yeah i mean from a from a layman perspective the feet a lot of the features aren't new right a lot of the stuff you could do before it is here and you can do it power bi using a ui and mm. you know that's all there you know there's no real incentive or understanding as to why would i move to it and actually i don't i think actually trying to say i'm going to move over into fabric is probably the wrong approach anyway mm. i think actually most of your data products mm. would probably begin life in azure still and you know maybe maybe at least for the foreseeable future i think it makes sense i think it mm. has a lot of you know you, you have a lot more control of that you have a lot of things with the classical analytics architecture and azure that you don't have in in power bi mm. and you can just shortcut it into fabric into mm. one lane for use cases whether that's just to put power bi on top of a direct lake or yeah. to data science like i think it's it's just part of a, a, a general ecosystem that doesn't mean you have to take it all on. I think you just work out what what works for you and 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 yeah, use what you need. But that's this. I um I completely agree. But saying it is such a simple thing. This is work out what what works for you. That's like the hard part is actually to, of all that product to say actually what do we need from all uh, all of yes. these things? You know, yeah. um, you're absolutely right. That is 100 what you should do. Um, but it's it just becomes a little bit a little bit harder. Actually, what I find interesting as well, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that, um, or maybe last week actually, that when people talk about Power BI, quite often what they're talking about is Power BI Desktop, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know if you say if you say to someone like what is Power BI, quite often they'll just describe the things that are actually in Power BI Desktop, yeah. And then now to kind of like, and this is actually also maybe. A good question to you as well like if you're talking about your power bi training and stuff and the things that you focus on when you're giving like a um a, an intro or like a newcomer power bi training if, if you do that sort of thing would you actually focus on anything other than power bi desktop or is that a good starting point yeah no absolutely i think you do focus in power bi desktop i think you know where, where it should really go is you know you should it should be a bit limited i think you should have a bit of a beginner mode if you like in power bi desktop right or a kind of self-service mode even right so you know you, should, you can you can connect to an excel file and it should say well where's your excel file stored is it mm -hmm. is it on onedrive or you know do you want to upload it to onedrive and we'll do that and you point to the file rather than mm -hmm. try to point it to your machine and you know just set up some of that best practice for you so it makes it easier to refresh mm -hmm. and obtain and you don't build technical debt like i think something like that should just be a, a much easier thing to get people started on the journey because yeah. everyone just builds stuff off excel spreadsheets and then they just end up getting themselves into a mess <laughs> so <laughs> you know i yeah. think that's helping people in that initial barrier and maybe you don't need all of the stuff and to be honest i don't i'm not a big fan of the um on object formatting stuff it's just yeah. maybe i'm just not used to it right and you know old old dog new tricks type thing but yeah the element of that but yeah it's i find it quite hard to use so so yeah i don't know maybe that will make it easier for people who are new to it i don't know on yeah this is a good i mean so like my thing on 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 i can't even say it on object formatting is that so i i haven't actually used it since the previous um update but no i don't use it and um i think i can't really see this is maybe I'm very wrong here. I can't really see how on object formatting would make anything particularly easy for, for people who are newer to the tool, because it's not like it. It's not like it's totally intuitive, is it? It's I, not, I think it's just closer to Excel, isn't it? I think that's probably it. 
maybe. I think they're trying to bring it more into like look and feel like Excel does, and so that's what people are used to. They definitely they are trying. I just don't think they've succeeded. I'm sorry, that sounds really mean, but I think it's just it's just quite a way away. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's, <laughs> it's just it's bad. It's getting some real rap here, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is the thing I've never really I, if you know if you're in the chat right or if you, even if you know someone who likes on object formatting please <laughs> please write tell, tell us now let's the data the community let's find the one person who yeah likes <laughs> because seriously I don't know anyone who likes it I gen I, I had it on for like a month and a half because I, I did as you said I was like, look, it's going to be the standard at some point, you know, like when they introduced, introduced the new format pane, like whatever, a year and a half ago, whatever it was. And it was, for me, not great. But I was like, you know what, just switch it on because it's going to be standard. But uh, no, it's just, I don't, I don't think it's in any way helpful. Look, so Donald, Donald is, I think, saying that the formatting part is okay, but the modeling part is not. Okay, well, let, let's take that as, as, as half a positive comment. You know, I'm, I'm I'm starting to feel bad. I feel like we're, we're kind of like you know, right. bully. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think you know, there's a lot of things they've done with Power BI Desktop, and I think you know they they do a lot of research, right? And they do mm -hmm. they they do understand their user base. They do try and make it available to such a broad audience. So I you know I think mm. I think it does work, right? And, and this is a challenge with anything, right? Like with Excel and, and stuff. Even it has you know millions and millions of users. Right. if not billion users and it's it's you know a very difficult thing to try and mm. be all things to all people yeah. so so yeah i mean maybe maybe power bi will will kind of should have be catered to different audiences given how broad it is but i think it's admirable what they've tried to do in like um unify the experience of all of these products right mm. i get that however what i think is more important than that is actually just thinking what experience is actually user-friendly. Not let's make it this way because that's what people are used to in Excel. I'll be really honest. Like I know I'm not the target audience here because I'm, because I'm not, right? But I actually found the experience of working in Power BI without on object format better than working in Excel. I'm not saying it is better. I'm saying I found it better because that's more what I'm used to. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, if it works, it works because it works and it's well designed. It doesn't work because it's like some other program that you that you also have. It's like for me that that's a, a kind of like akin to saying we're going to do it this way because we've always done it that way, which is you know the worst reasoning for anything ever. Yeah, but I think you know that Excel to Power BI ramp is is the biggest one. And it's, and yeah, it's yeah, for sure. most important to get right. And I, I, you know, I'm not sure Microsoft have, but I mean, part of that might be, well, I mean, part of that might be, you know, things like, things like live connected tables, right? Mm. I mean, I don't think anyone even uses them, right? But it's a really mm. great feature because you, you can suddenly do your export to Excel, but have it, you know, exactly as it is, but not locked down and mm. um, live connected. So actually refreshes, like that kind of feature yeah. between them is, is really going to bring some of that together. That's a fair point. Fair point. I um, what I noticed today, which you know, when you when you because I'm doing documentation, I'm taking screenshots, and I'm I'm looking at things that I don't usually look at, right? Um, and one of the things that I noticed today, which I found was really unusual, when you open a brand new PBX, right? 
that has and you've got no data in the file at all. Yeah. On the background or on the on the canvas, it'll say, you know, bring in data to your report and you can click on different buttons yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah. I've literally yeah. never used it because I always just use the get data button. Never used it. I think there are like four options. And I think the third one prompts you to copy and paste data. And I'm like, I looked at it and I was just kind of like, are you kidding me or what? You've got this like really powerful like tool, like ETL, all this, like you can bring it there, you can do this really dynamic stuff, you can connect all this. And your third prompt, massive prompt on the screen is copy and paste data into Power BI. I'm like, they can't, I can't be having that. That's that's a, that's a weird, that smacks is something that they did when they first created and they just forgot about because it cut. Well, that's what I said about Excel, right? I mean, it should just it should just point you to, you know, you should be able to just up, you know, connect to an Excel file that's stored on Teams or SharePoint easily without having to figure out, I need mm. to go to SharePoint folder connector or share, you know, and, and figure out how to connect to an Excel file that's stored on OneDrive or Teams. Like it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it should be an easy thing to do. I'm not sure. Do you still with with the Excel um, online? Do you still have to get the link and then remove the question mark web equals one or whatever? Whatever. Do you still have to do that? That is a way to do it. The way that I always just recommend people to do it, and I, yeah. I do this through, through anything, is to say, right, you've got an Excel file. Go into Teams. Go into any Teams channel. Go into the Files tab. Click on Upload. Upload your files there. Then just mm -hmm. do View in SharePoint. Open the SharePoint. Just copy that. Go mm -hmm. to Power BI okay. Desktop. SharePoint folder, put that in, all your files are there. Reference that query, filter okay. it down for the files you want, and then you've got your files. And it's anyone can right. open that, that PBIX file, and you know, if they've got mm. access to SharePoint, they can refresh it, it will refresh on the service. Like that's the way to do it. But yeah. that's not obvious that that's how you need to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You that's can true. connect to an Excel file with the web link, but I don't I can't remember exactly how to do that anymore. This is this, this I think I, I still do that out of habit. I'm not sure if it's this, this, it, it still works perfectly well. It's just the fact that you have to, you have it um, stored in your OneDrive. You open it in the app. You get the info, and the info has the link. And I just, that's what I use. Uh, maybe there's a better way now. It's one of the things that I just do because I've always, like as I just said, I've always done it that way. So, I, so I still do it, right? Nice, that's oh. nice. interesting. Have you? You said you're doing documentation. Have you? Um, have you tried Chat GPT for it to produce using Power BI documentation? Um. So yes. Depending on the subject, what I'll tend to do is I'll kind of use ChatGPT and then just to like prompt myself, you know, to say like to ask it a question and then so there's nothing that I miss. I like, I want to word it in my own way mm -hmm. using my own style, but I'll like say to ChatGPT, like ask a question about, you know, Power Query, like how to transform data or the top five or the most convenient data transformations in Power Query or something. And just to see if there's anything important that I've missed out. Um, my prop, I haven't, I use ChatGPT. I pay for ChatGPT, um, but I'm no expert at prompt engineering or whatever the call is. So I think, I think normally, in, unless I really sit down and take, I don't know, like a week or whatever, how long it takes to kind of learn how to really prompt to get a nice concise answer. I think until I do that, I'm gonna spend too much time actually editing the answer itself. And by that time I could have just been happy with my own thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. It I, tends... I think documentation though is a really useful process to go through yes. as, as a developer, because I think it forces you to think about what you're building, which is very easy to not do as you're building things very quickly. 
Mm. Um, and also it helps to get your stakeholders on the same page. Yeah. Right. So once you once you put something together, you know. So I'm I'm always a big fan of kind of document templates and you know document yep. requirements, designing your star schemas before you build them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then and then post post documentation, yes, to a degree. You know, maybe using Tableau Editor to extract out descriptions, but actually doing yeah. all that up front actually helps you save time during the build, and then it serves as your documentation afterwards. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good idea. And I mean, I'm curious as to how ChatGPT will help with stuff like that. But one of the was it um, was it Win who created who made that really cool video about using the ChatGPT prompt to um, comment out your M code. That was really cool. Basically, mm. you take um, he actually has the prompt on his website, and yeah. you basically write in ChatGPT and then you paste the answer back into the and it. It comments it out and it make it's really very that's that was for me that was awesome really helpful to have a night because it's one of those things that and when I one of the things that I I'm really focused on when I give a like a, a instructor led training is to say like you know this I'm going to be very honest is what I'm telling you you should do but I always forget to do it myself and one of them is to really ensure that my applied steps in Power Query are really nicely formatted and at every single point saying exactly what I'm doing to make it nice for the, for the next user. I should do that. I just, I just, I always forget, you know, but because you can do it now quite easily with chat GPT, that's huge. And it's a classic example of like, no, it's not going to take your job, but it's going to make you better at your job. You know? Yeah. 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 And hopefully, hopefully we'll see more of it be automated. How much have you used um, the natural language generation for DAX? I guess that's, that's the copilot-esque type stuff as well. And then Not I at all, that, to be honest. That that should come with pre-documented code, right? If it writes something for you based on natural language, you should explain what it's doing. In That's a fair language. point, actually. Yeah. Documentation as comments, right? So yeah, yeah, I haven't really used it either. Again, mm. one of those things, right? You get a lot of these features, and again, am I the target audience for it? Probably not. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's it'd be good to hear people's experience of these things because that's where that's the future, right? It's where everything's going. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that it seems for me a little bit like early doors, you know? Like, I'm sure it, it works well, but I think it's it'll become more and more prominent as it's developed out. Or I, I don't know, but maybe, again, I'm not a, a good example because I've been using it for quite a long time. Maybe it's really great for newer users um, because they don't, they, they don't like, you know, make, it seems ridiculous to say, like, you know, stuck in their ways. I've been doing it since, like, 2017. It's not that long. But... <laughs> And that's certainly not get the data well then. Right, yeah, exactly. But it's but it's um it's long enough to kind of to kind of like get you stuck in. and it's, that's the thing. I mean, I, I have to check myself pretty often to ensure that I'm actually, you know, doing things that are current or um this is why, you know, you read the blog posts and you have you scan Twitter to see if there's anything like new and huge that you've missed or um, you mentioned before data goblins is a great site for that sort of thing as well because it has lots of good ideas and um, it kind of alerts to kind of new stuff and new ways of doing things. So it's just one of one of those things, man. It's uh, we try our we try our best, right? Yeah, I think I think there is a bit too much tech for tech's sake, though, right? Like it's oh, too yeah. much about you know focus on the tools and tech and rather than the business processes and what you need and the people and the processes, like. Even for stuff like fabric, you know, it's less about the technical implementation, right? You don't need to pay expensive consultants to go and spin up these resources for you anymore because it's just you could do it with the click of a button, like a Power BI workspace. So, so what it then becomes about is well, how do you fit this into your organization? 
Mm. How do you go? One of the best quotes um, from someone uh, that I've heard was, it's kind of fabric enabling and allowing your organization to become IT enabled rather than IT reliant. Okay. Right? So, you know, in the, in the previous world, if you're, you know, in that business analyst and Power BI community, you'd have to go knocking on the door of IT and saying, right, I need, can you set me up a data warehouse? And you mm. know, I need my data to come into a data lake and all of this. Um, and then now actually you can say, well, you know, I could get access to data that's already there and I can I can start to use that and shape it for my own use cases without having to necessarily just reinvent the wheel. Or yeah, but probably it's it. going it, to, it'll still be pretty heavily admin restricted, right? It's not like admins are going to let you just go and do whatever you want. I mean, I, I'm i guessing, right? They do gonna... with Power BI, right? They do with Power BI. And I, I guess that's the point, right? I think there will have to be some stuff that's better controlled and it then comes down to, well, what level, where do you apply those controls? Hmm. Do you apply those controls in this self-service environment mm. or do you apply controls earlier up in Azure and things like that? And yeah, absolutely. It's all, it's all people, right? It's absolutely sane. And, and, and that's where I think the key to implementing any of this tech really comes down to is your people and processes and your, your operating model. Yeah. Right? You need time and place. But as, as these, as the, as the, you know, Power BI fabric, let's say fabric because that's what it is, as, fabric expands and becomes more prominent is more widely used that's where most most of the power is going to be you know so to say yeah. we have this and we don't have to ask for we don't have to request this by, um, from it anymore that sounds cool in practice but also it becomes very dangerous because then people it's not a, a well administered you know it's just let that it's it's sitting there and mm -hmm. at this point it seems like a cool thing to say oh that's really cool because we don't have to ask it yeah that's awesome, but it's kind of if that if that continues on for another three years, you know, it's going to lead to a horrible mess, no? Yeah, absolutely. Which is what I'm saying. It's 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 been and it's enabling people to do things, but obviously with that, it mm. comes comes a whole mess, right? So I mean, for the last few years, my real focus at work has all been about Power BI governance, right? So okay. I've been going into large organisations cool. that have been using Power BI for years, and they've got thousands of reports and workspaces. And it's just a mess. They don't know what what mm. data is, where it's been, who it's been shared with, you know, where it's, you know, what where, where they're bringing in data from, where, and uh, you know, what reports have been built off it. Um, and you know, at the moment, I'm doing a project on a on a Tableau to Power BI migration, which again is is even is even more crazy because yeah. you know you've got you've got this big estate in Tableau, like tens of thousands of reports that you're trying to then lift into a completely different environment. So I think it's basically. What you know, what I kind of advise in that scenario is, is to say, well, well, for start, not all BI is the same. You're mm. going to have a lot of BI, which is team and personal BI, mm. right? And you know, that's that's fine for people to manage that. Let people play around, give people the freedom, right? Um, what you want to manage is the data behind it, mm. and also the you know where it is enterprise BI that needs to be more closely managed, right? So where it's coming from, trusted data sources, it needs to be certified. It, you know, all of that you should manage through Azure Active Directory groups. You should you know, have the controls around and, you know, have tenant settings applied and stuff like that. Or mm. for your enterprise content. For the rest of it, yeah, as people are saying in the chat, let 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 the chaos happen and let people do what they need to because that's how you're going to get the adoption. Um, and, you know, make sure you've got processes to, to move from, you know, team and personal BI into something that's more structured and governed. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that still needs to happen around that. 
Um, and I think with Fabric, again, it's the same thing, right? It will People will create a mess in Fabric. I already have created a mess. In fact, I've created a mess every single time I used it. Right? So, um, Creating a mess is, is sometimes a great thing. Is how you learn. I mean, this is like me yeah. when I was learning Power BI. Of course, Fabric is, is a bigger tool, so the mess that you can, can create can have more impact. But the the concept is, I mean, for me, it depends on how you learn. I pretty much only learn by creating a mess, you know? I have like I'm, I'm my brain is I'm not sure how good is this a good thing to say but my brain isn't that you know well structured as I'm gonna do this and then do that I was like no no I need to do all of these things and then just like see what happens you know yeah um, so it's I was I had the benefit is when I was creating all my Power BI messes I was creating it basically on my own workspace my own tenant that I paid for myself you know so I wasn't like back then I was working for um, a German company called BASF. Um, a pretty, also pretty big company, um, but I didn't do any of that on on their workspaces or on their tenant because it was just it was a very new tool back then for the company. Again, it was like 2017, so but it was very new for that company because they never they were just rolling out really slowly. Um, and I thought, you know what? If it's getting rolled out, like let's let's just keep it nice and smooth. Let's not make any messes because it might scare people, you know. Um, Right. Now, now is a good opportunity to do it in Fabric, right? Because they've got free trials, and yeah. um, and you know you can. It's very easy to spin up your own tenant, yeah. right? And then you just enable Fabric on it for sixty days for free, and you've got access to everything, which mm. you never had with like a premium capacity. Now you've got a premium mm. capacity essentially free yeah. for like sixty yep. days or ninety days. I can't remember what it is now. Even yeah, um, that's a while, right? Yeah. yeah, and and you know, I think I think up until the point when it gets to GA, they'll probably. They'll probably, they'll probably need them, I don't know. But, yeah. um, you know, whilst it's in public preview, I think that's 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 the plan, right? Microsoft want to try and get as wide adoption of this. And so you've got that capability to do it, plus you've got all of the learning resources and everything that Microsoft have put out and all the yeah. MVPs have put out and everything else. So yeah. it's a good opportunity. It's just finding the time. <laughs> exactly that. I, I was just thinking to say, I... I... At first, I was kind of disappointed with myself that I really didn't put in the the, um, the time and the effort that I wanted to when Fabric was first released. I did at first. I was really like sitting down and doing. I, I really went for it in the first like couple of weeks, but I just I changed job, of course, like uh, as I mentioned, yeah. and I just I just haven't had time. So I was probably been. I'm not sure how how long how how long has Fabric been released now? But yeah. say the May, right? So uh, yeah, three months. They come up three months. Yeah. So probably I haven't touched it for like, you know, almost two of those three months. And really? um, and my thing was this, was that because when it was first, of course it was um, preview, right? And because I am very, very much not a data engineer, right? I'm like, like yeah. some people say I'm like an analyst, but like I'm kind of like engineer. No, that's not me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm an analyst, right? So not only was fabric itself a new product to me but the things inside pro uh, inside fabric so that stuff i'd never actually done before but also fabric was preview therefore certain things weren't working very well but i didn't know is it me or is it fabric yeah and i just i so i decided you know what i'm not going to do it for now i'm going to kind of put it on one side i'll try and come back to it when all these things are ironed out because i need to know i can't learn well, without knowing if the mistake is coming from me or it's just a bug or something's not working as it should. And like really the, my first three days, I was trying to fix something that I couldn't make work. And it was just an error in fabric. That's all it was. 
And that was just like my three days just like gone. And I, I was so pissed off, not at Microsoft, not at Fabric, but just the general situation. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a hard thing. And that's what I'm saying, even to try and learn it, it's, it's overwhelming right? because there's just so much there. And it's, I think, you know, I did a, I did a session at SQL Bits as well on, on how to learn tech in a fast paced okay. environment. And I think, you know, kind of what I was really highlighting there is you need to have use cases to learn on. You need to be able to apply it straight away. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point just trying to learn something for the sake of learning it because it's mm. new and shiny. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, well, I guess you know, that's the point, right? And yeah. and so and it's obviously right now it's quite difficult to have proper production use cases for Fabric, but maybe there's mm. you know a case for saying, look, you know, let's start to rebuild some of what we're doing, you know, directly, you know, do some of that ETO work maybe in Fabric and see how it yeah. see how it works, and then you've got maybe two versions of your Power BI report running in parallel, mm. and then. Mm as it gets more mature, you can start to switch stuff over. And I guess you just have to try and carve out a bit of time each day to do that yeah. and come back to it continuously rather than saying, right, I'm going to learn it in this few days and then I'm never going to touch it for the next three <laughs> You forget it. You forget it straight away. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I think those kind of things are really important to be able to then do it and, and then try and learn it all, right? Focus only on the specific things that you need to learn for mm. what you're doing right now. Um, just kind of like trying to shift more like back to like specific power bi stuff i'm curious that like you obviously you know you work you've, you've had a lot of experience working with different companies you work as uh, you worked as a consultant so you've a lot of experience with other people and what, what they struggle with with power bi spe specifically what have you seen is the point that your customers or companies really struggle with with, with power BI? other than like implementation something that they kind of they need and it's a it's a, like the hardest need to the the, the 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 hardest requirement to fulfill i think it's it's speaking the same people speaking the same language all right, right? And, and i think you see this with with kind of finance and you know places like that where they have particular processes they have ways of doing things they have the understanding of the business context mm. right and then you've got people on the it side um who who speak a different language right they they're interested mm. in tech mm. and you know, and this is and the consultants who come in are probably more interested in the tech so it's actually trying to bring those people together to understand how tech is going to be able to serve them and and not all tech will and mm. what what is it that they need but also what are those requirements like why are you building a report i think you know most reports probably shouldn't be reports <laughs> yeah true um, <laughs> You know, if it's just a bit quick of analysis, it's probably easy to do in Excel, right? Yeah. And, and that's fine, you know, and, and you can have some throwaway stuff there. But I think it's more just thinking about what that is and understanding the requirements and, and designing stuff before you build it, which you used to do with IT solutions. But obviously mm -hmm. now in, in the self-service world, because everything's so quick, you know, you do away with all of that. But I, mm -hmm. I think you, you lose a lot from doing that as well because yeah. the quality suffers and actually you just end up with, with chaos. Yeah. Yeah, true. Thinking about like what you said about a lot of reports shouldn't be reports and because it's just like ad hoc stuff. What I've got found is, and this is something I was just thinking about the past few days, it would be f it probably a dangerous concept, but it could, if done right, I think it could be really cool that if you could auto-delete data sets and reports that haven't been updated within the past X number of months, so if I have a report or a data set that hasn't been updated in the past, say, year, 
Yeah. And I can specify that within the data set settings. Because you can specify in the data set how often, of course, how often it refresh or all that kind of stuff. But if it hasn't been refreshed, say, within 12 months, auto-delete. That would be awesome. I would love that. Well, they pause. They pause the Microsoft pause the refresh, right? If it hasn't been. You know, but delete. Just gone. <laughs> Because, I mean, it, it gets so messy. Like, workspaces get so messy. Kind of the BP example, right, where it was actually like, well, do we, you know, everyone's got a pro license. Most stuff is on shared. The only thing I need to worry about is what's on premium because that's mm. the stuff that's costing me, essentially. Yeah. I've, got, I've got an actual marginal cost against, whereas mm. the stuff on shared, yeah. it's, it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't really you don't necessarily need to worry about it from that level, right? Because yeah, fair enough, so, yeah. you can spend a lot of time worrying about all of this stuff that's not being used. So as I'm saying, it is chaos. And I think it's, mm. that's why I'm saying not all BI is the same. Yeah, right? sure. The stuff that you need to govern, that should be your, on your premium capacity. That's your differentiation. Mm. Right? In the Power BI world is your stuff on your premium capacity is your enterprise BI, only your enterprise BI. That's the stuff you manage. The rest of it, just let people do what they want. Yeah, fair enough. I think maybe I'm just too much, too much for control freak sometimes, and I see some stuff yeah. that hasn't been refreshed since 2018, and I'm like, that has to go. Um, one second, there's a tool. There's a tool that can do that called data logs. All right, um, I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, see, because, but this not. is the thing, and it, maybe this. I'm not sure if this is the point that you were making. I don't know. Probably like you know, three conversations ago. <laughs> conversation. Um, Third party, there are so many third party tools that do different things, you know, and it can get so expensive and like, so, so great. There's a tool that does it, but really that should be possible within, within, within Power BI. It should be, it should be a, possible to have that native in Power BI. I know it's probably a niche request, but, and thank you, Christopher, for saying that it exists. I'll definitely check that out. Mm. Um, but you know, if you look at how much you're spending on whatever, you know, tabular editor and then Power BI Sentinel, and then you got like, I don't know, you got data logs. These all do fantastic stuff, but you just made the cost of Power BI go up just like dramatically, you know? Um, yeah. That's bloody aggressive, Ben. <laughs> it is. A, I, I admit that that probably is quite an, an, an aggressive opinion, but I'm, I'm standing by it. <laughs> um, yeah. There's more stuff on the admin and monitoring side, right? That's also evolved, albeit yeah. slower than than it probably should have, right? Like the tenant, you know, the admin monitoring and things like that are starting to come into place. Like it was supposed to be there a couple of years ago and yeah. just kind of, you know, didn't quite make it to, to what it needed to be. And I don't know if it still is, I haven't really seen it recently. Like, so you still kind of have to do your own custom solutions for it really. Um, it's, again, it's not great. Yeah. I think that's going to be harder with Fabric, right? I wonder what it actually picks up and what yeah. you can do with those APIs, there's kind of APIs and stuff. Yeah. It'd be good to know if anyone's actually tried that actually as well to see True. what you can really pick up. I, mean, I know we've tried a bit internally in Avalon. Mm. Um, Sam, who's one of the guys in my team, did a did a session at London Power User Group on it. All right, so cool. There is, yeah, there is there is some stuff that you know you can you can a lot of stuff you can pick up and do and build your own really cool solutions around it. But perhaps you shouldn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Um, someone someone mentioned at the very start of the live stream ask you about your your map skills or something. Some, <laughs> Someone's, someone's meant, I think, I think, is it James uh, mentioned yeah. your mapping? I, we, I yeah. mean, what, what is it with your maps, mate? Come on. <laughs> oh, no, it's just, uh, you know, I've tried to use Icon Map a couple of times and uh, it just, uh, just hasn't quite worked for, for whatever reason. <laughs> um, the, the intention's there, but you know. 
it's not an area of my brain I've managed to tap into to get working. So you've probably basically been um, almost desk sharing with a guy who created Icon Map for the past couple of years, but yeah. it hasn't it hasn't yeah. sent, got through to your side yet, no? No, 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 not really. Um, I'll, I'll get there one day, maybe one day. But in, how often do you actually have to use maps? Really? I, that's the thing. I don't. I don't really. I mean, to be honest, I, I don't really use Power BI very much at all these days. <laughs> I spend most of my time in uh, in Word, Excel, and, and uh, well, in PowerPoint. <laughs> it's all, Fair enough. Actually, mostly Teams. To be honest, I'm just on Teams calls all day. But yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily use Maps a huge amount. I mean, I think it is a good thing to try and do. I did, uh, you know, I, I've done, I have used Icon Maps successfully in a couple of times. I don't think I actually show James the good examples. <laughs> so maybe Fair enough. I've got, I have, I've got one or two good examples. I did, mm. um, I did a credit analysis one, um, local right. authority credit analysis report for the London Excel Meetup Group last month. All right. Um, a month before, and uh, yeah, that was that was using some map stuff, which is quite cool. But yeah, I mean, it's it's mainly community stuff. And and to be fair, this is this is kind of why I do the community stuff, right? Because actually, you can be like, I want to build a. I'll give you a second to come back. You're frozen. Do this, right? So experiencing something, you can just build your own report for it. I think I missed a little bit of that because I think you froze for a second and I missed part of that. I'm, Sorry. I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, like, for me, that's that's why I build stuff to the community, right? Mm, because okay. actually you can, you, your own customer for your for whatever yeah. you for the community, right? So Absolutely. if you want to learn icon map, you can just find the right use case, build mm. build a report mm. for, with the user's icon map and, and you know, you, you've learned the skills on it. Yeah. Well, when you when you do it for customers, it's it has to be a very specific use case yeah. Where they need it. I think it's it's very rare. I mean, I always enjoy doing what I, what I do, whether it's building a report or doing admin stuff or doing documentation. I, I enjoy all of it, to be honest. I mean, there are some parts I enjoy more than others, to be honest. But when it comes to report building specifically, I never really enjoy it as much as I do when it's my own project. Because as mm. you say, I can you can do what you want. You can try. You can use. I mean, I I'm, I very rarely use maps because I think generally in the industry that I tend to work, there's not that much call for them. You know, if I were to work in I don't know maybe sporting industry or I don't know freight or maybe that maybe it would become much more relevant. Um, I don't know. But when you're working primarily with people data or finance data, I think it's rarely that that um that that um useful to be honest hey johnny how you going hey, johnny. johnny's there there you go so yeah it's uh, but it's I, I've, I've used icon map a couple of times really good fun it was harder than i thought it was going to be because i the first time i saw it, it was of course it was at power next step presented by james who obviously is pretty good at it because you know he like built it um so when i first went in oh, that's gonna be really cool but again standard thing learning curve but once you get there it is actually, it is a lot of good fun. Um, mm. to, to... I mean, you've done a lot of stuff with like Deneb and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, again, it's not something area that I've ever really got into, but yeah, it's, what's yeah. the learning curve like with that? That's a good question. I found it actually pretty decent, to be honest, pretty fast. I picked it up relatively quickly. I mean, obviously I could see my own, um, my own progress. One of the reasons I could see my own progress learning is because I made the videos, right? And every time I learned something, I just made a video. And of course, if I go back now, my very first is, you know, um, get, it was getting started or intro to dinner, whatever it was. Um, the stuff that I built there was just absolute garbage. The code was fine. 
you know? But this is, and I always kind of give myself a disclaimer on all these Denner videos. And then this disclaimer is always, I'm not saying what I'm building is the correct thing to build. I'm not saying it's a visualization best practice. I'm just saying that this is how you write the code to do that thing, right? So it's, it kind of makes it easier for, my, for myself in that regard. And um, But no, I found it perf really quite okay because um, I'm not sure if it is, this is relevant, but because of the, the JSON syntax and because I've, spent a lot of time basically just like working with APIs with the same syntax. I found it quite easy to like read and understand somehow. Um, so it was one of these things that just like clicked with me, you know? There yeah. are many there are yeah. many things I don't click, but I was happy that that thing did. So is there, is there still a need for things like Charticulator and things like that? I don't think so. I haven't, uh, it, I liked the fact that there was both Charticulator and, um, and Deneb. But Charticulator isn't really developed anymore. It's it's there, right. but it's it's not really developed out. Uh, it was great to have both because you had the choice, right? Some people preferred Charticulator, some people preferred Deneb, and some people got in these conversations of Charticulator versus Deneb, which I always found a waste of time. It doesn't it's not versus versus? They both do great things. Use one. Um, but I think if if I'm wrong, people in the chat correct me. That's that's always a good thing to do. I think it's kind of very much more Deneb heavy these days because Charticulator isn't as isn't particularly supported, or it's not there. Yeah. Um, Johnny, have I done a three D pie charts yet? You, <laughs> you know what? I tried to do something three D, but um, there was on Twitter oh, ages ago. I forget who it was. I think it was um, I've forgotten his name. I apologize. Uh, Eugene, my Eugene Meidinger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he um, he posted something that he found on Reddit, which is like the world's, world's most ugliest report or something. It was all like 3D bars. And I was like, you know what? I want to try and create one of those visualizations in, um, in Deneb. And I started to do it. It was taking me so long. It would, I think I'd been on it for like five hours. I got to a point and I was like, you know what? Close enough. I'm never going to use this. I'm just wasting my time. Um, but Johnny, if I ever do a 3D pie chart, you'll be the first person I show it to because I know you'll appreciate it. Maybe actually um, people who use Vega, because I only use Vega Lite, people who use Vega can probably do that because that's, that's just a, another level. And that's the interesting thing. What's the Vega, difference? What's the, what's the difference between Deneb and Vega? So, well, so Deneb is like the visualization. And in and, and Deneb, I, I use Vega Lite. And some people use right. Vega. Um, the best person to ask this question is um, oh, I'm blanking on a game on a name again. Give me one second if I quickly go to Twitter. Andre, yeah, um, Andre. He he primarily creates stuff, I believe, using Vega. So he's a, he's a good, a good a good knowledge of Vega and Vega Lite. Basically, Vega Lite is of course a simplified version of Vega. So you can't do as much in it. You're you one of the a, the best example is um, I would say a scatter plot because of jittering. You can't really jitter very well with um, Vega Lite. That functionality just doesn't is, doesn't really exist there. You have to kind of do it in a really annoying way. But with Vega, it's it's just it's it's inbuilt. It works really well. I uh, like so. Oh, I hope I'm using the right word. I, maybe I'm using the wrong word. Oh, yeah. um, like, do you know? To like, it's essentially like like offsetting. No, I think this is correct. Oh, like, I see. Yeah. So like, if you, if you have like like if you've a got two points overlapping, you want to be able to differentiate them. Right. Right. Exactly. And you, it, it's not really easy to do that in Vega Light, but with Vega, yeah, exactly. 
It is, thank you, Johnny, again. It is Vega for dummies and I am the dummy. That's all good. This is, this is fine. And this is what, <laughs> it's what Vega Light is essentially. Um, but honestly, I would su suggest that for standard business style data visualizations, Vega Light is more, more, more than enough. Absolutely. Vega, um, I would use Vega if I wanted to create something that's more like a, um, uh, what do you call it? like it like a an amazing infographic or something you know um andre creates beautiful stuff with with, with vega and um i used to use it in one of my presentations because it, he created one thing and it was just truly like a spectacular visualization like uh, an infographic but uh yeah i've and stopped doing um, ai coming to you and copilot which one which one is copilot going to be able to code in that's the, that's the key question ah uh, yeah that's true actually <laughs> actually interesting i am uh, i when I, I haven't tried it for a while but a few months ago i was kind of trying um just a testing um chat gpt with vega light Oh yeah, and um, it wasn't good at it. To be honest, it was really interesting. It was. Oh, it's not mainstream enough, is it? Probably. To... Yeah, maybe. It's, it, the the basis it, it created code and the, it would never worked. Um, I would. It made me happy with myself because I it, I could read through the code and find where the error was. So that was kind of like an ego boost to me that I kind of could read it and quite quickly like debug it and work it out and stuff. Um, so that's nice for my ego. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's yeah, we'll see. Um, but go using these like stuff like, like Vega light and using Deneb, of course, what has really made me want uh, in power BI is like a visualization expert mode, you know, where I can mm -hmm. just do this everywhere where I want, you know, because you understand the visual elements of visual, uh, sorry, you understand the elements of visualization in a much deeper depth, because when you have to create it like line by line yourself in the code, you kind of understand the 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 relationships between these things it's really cool i find it very interesting yeah Ooh, yeah i'd be yeah i'd be good have you have you got a course on it or is it just a series of videos or it's a series of videos to be honest um there is um enterprise dna have a good course and also jeff weir posted something on twitter and linkedin the other day because i think some university created like quite a comprehensive step-by-step -step course and stuff of how nice. to do it. I, I can't find the link. Sorry about that. I'll um, yeah, but um, this is actually you you mentioned before about the, the your website with um, all the, the your training stuff. I I kind of stu at work, I stumbled across a tool that I actually really like for creating um, documentation and um, for creating like training programs. It's actually what I'm using right now. Okay. It's called um, what's it called? Art Articulate. It's called Articulate. That's what I use as well, yeah. I it's really good. Yeah. I want my own license. It's not cheap, but it's yeah. exceptionally good. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm thinking about if I can somehow, I don't know, squeeze the pennies and get a, a I mean it's it is an expensive license to be fair. But if I could do that on my own website, I would use my own website so much more to actually create courses and stuff, you know, and um because Yeah, it's, well, it, well hit me up. I've got a license, I've got content. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I've got time to build all the content. So yeah, absolutely. Any any contributors, any people who want to build stuff, yeah, let me know. Cool. Yeah, it's I mean it, it's because it, it's it's actually it's a very it's you can create really um I should get sponsored by Articulate for Xenon. Um, it's a really um user friendly tool, but you can create very nice the, the it's the level of interaction mm -hmm. 
that the, the, the trainings have. So it's it's quite cool. So if I if I could do it, I would use that to create like a, a, a Deneb training program because I think it wouldn't be that kind of, wouldn't be like that difficult. One of the reasons, actually, to be fair, I haven't really tried that hard to do anything other than the videos is because the documentation that exists for Vega and Vega Lite actually on the GitHub website is, ex for me, I find it very, very good. Certainly as someone who's just learning from, from zero, you're going to have to get, you, you're going to have to go quite far before you feel restricted from the documentation. Um, the only, the it's only, it's also engagement, right? How many people read documentation? <laughs> yeah. But, but the thing is, it's so interactive. Like it, it's the fact right. that you can, it has like online editors and you're right. I mean, I, how often I'm never going to say, in fact, ever, it's probably the only time I'm ever going to say the documentation is amazing, but I find it quite fun to use because it has a, it's basically a website. It has loads of examples. You can click on the examples. You can then edit the code yourself and it will live update the code that you're, uh, that you're writing and stuff. It's, and it's, it's just really nicely laid out. You know, the only thing it's not very good at is to, it's when it comes to text, any type of text, because most of the examples that will give you, and um, they don't have any like data labels, for example, there are no, all the examples just don't have data labels. And I think maybe it's just, I don't know why, but that's when I got to that point to want to do really different things with data levels, it, I felt quite restricted. So I started to see where there could be a gap to like add some stuff, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to build really interactively learning and, and the same thing you're talking about, right? It's the way to engage people. They can actually try stuff out in the environment. Yeah. Um, and oh. you know, yeah, have to, have to participate, you know, participate in it. Cause you yeah. can, you, you, know, you can watch a video for an hour and listen to this podcast episode you know, how much have you actually taken in or learned? <laughs> exactly. Not that this is for learning, so it doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're fine, right? But if you actually need to learn something, then you're yeah. like, well, yeah. No, I, I fully agree. And um, I, because I learn that way as well. I mean, some people are good at reading and learning. I need, I need to do as well. When I do, um, when I make anything, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong to make the assumption, but when I make, for example, a, a YouTube video about, Vega light, I do it on the assumption that the person who's watching the video is also kind of like doing it themselves at the same time, mm. because I just, this is, I think that probably drives how I talk about it and how I explain stuff because I literally, every time I'm watching a YouTube video to learn something, it's because I have a problem I'm trying to fix and I have that file open in front of me and I need to actually type and do it at the same time. So I think, as you're saying, interactive learning for, I think, many people is the best way. So I think this is why I enjoyed that, uh, the documentation so much, you know, because I can just play around like a child, basically, and say, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Make learning, learning, make learning fun again. Make, make, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah, awesome. I know it's, it's, I love the fact that over your left shoulder, you have the, the, the curtain open. So I can slowly, slowly see it getting the, the, getting darker and darker. When we started talking, it was quite light out and now it looks yeah. like it's an evening, you know? Yeah. It's, it's summer. It's still summer here. We haven't had much of a summer somewhere in the UK. It's, nah, been, no. it's been miserable. Same in Berlin. It's been Me. like, yeah, we had like, um, every year we put up like a, a, a small pool in the back garden for the kids yeah. to play in. But I think this year they've been in like like three times because it just rained. Actually, we've had more rain and more thunderstorms, and we have them building in the summer anyway. But there's been some crazy ones this year, like really, really mad. So, what are you gonna do? 
need a Power BI report on it to show Wait, you I do. the weather right, exactly. and you know global warming and all of that. What's the cause? What's driving all of this? I'll create it. I'll publish it, and I'll, I'll tag you in a minute. Don't you worry. <laughs> No, I, my my family were away for two weeks in Italy. I never when they always go to Italy, they can more Italian, but I don't go with them because um, I'm too English and it's too hot there for me in the summer. I, I just die. Um, so, so. Yeah. <laughs> right. See, we'll come. I love it when things go loop back like that. Exactly a map. Everything um, comes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll use icon map and put little pictures of the, of the clouds and stuff in, and they move. I can do all this. I love it. Um, yeah. No, they, they were in Italy for two weeks, and I, I forgot to clean out the pool when they were away, and I was like, where are all these, like, mosquitoes coming from? And a mosquito would, like, laid eggs or something inside the pool, and it was just, like, full of mosquitoes. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I was like, I'm done. The pool's been emptied now. Okay, I'm finished with this. Oh, anyway, mate. Um, We've gone over, haven't we? So, it's yeah, it's we been really, yeah. really, that went by really quickly, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, yeah. Cool. We should do it again. <laughs> let's just keep going, mate. Uh, um, but thank you for, for rescheduling, by oh, the way. I know you're... you're yeah, no, like, sorry. I know person. this was... We postponed this like three times and it was, yeah, is is my fault. The last time I really wanted to attend Casper's um, session at uh, the London's Club of Music Group and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I really want to, really want to see this. So... That's very reasonable. That's, I would I would never keep keep it from such stuff. But it's okay. I think the person who I've delayed the most, and I think every single occasion it was me, was actually Win. I think I wrote to win whatever it was like in 2021 at the end of 2021. It didn't actually come on until like the end of 2022. It was literally a year of, of trying to find a date and canceling and stuff. It was just the way it goes, but it's, it's always nice when the people appear here and we get to talk for a little while. Yeah. Um, so mate, um, thank Fine. you so much for your time. Yeah, and... no, it's great. Thanks for everyone for that, for all the engagement and the, and the questions. I've not been reading the comments. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go back through this and look at it. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. No, no, you're right. Thank you, everyone. The comments and the and the and the jokes and the, all that kind of stuff and the information is always much appreciated. So um, I'm back next week, same time, of course. Rishi, again, always awesome. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye, everyone.